You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. We've got a good Monday show for you. We're going to go over those picks from this past weekend. Ugh. Could have been so much better. Just games that were on the fringe and just didn't go our way this weekend. Under 500 for the weekend, not great, but we keep trucking along. We're also going to talk about what went down in college football this weekend. James Franklin continues to suck in big games. Jimbo Fisher is going to get paid a boatload of money to do absolutely nothing if he doesn't want to for the next seven years. Um, Iowa continues to play. I don't even know if it's called football. And we've got a lot of close games in the NFL this past weekend. And the Steelers continue to amaze. We'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's first start off with your picks in college and pro. Starting off in college, man, um, not a good weekend in college. You know, I always tell you, I'm a, I'm a dog better. I bet underdogs. If I would have taken the opposite of almost every game that I picked, would have had a much better weekend in college. Went three and seven in college. Not very good. The best bet was on North Carolina minus fourteen. Man, I, I don't know what else to say about that team, other than I watched most of that game. They were covering. They were up by seventeen at one point, and Duke is playing a third string quarterback. You know, um, no North Carolina's defense is about as poor as you could get if they can't if they give up forty five points to Duke. Remember when I told you before when I was handicapping this game. I said, I don't know how Duke's going to get to 14 or 17 points, and I have a feeling North Carolina's going to get over 30. Well, North Carolina got way over 30. They got 47. The problem is they gave up 45 to a third-string quarterback. Yikes. Uh, The other picks I had, Michigan was a winner, and again, that was just a bet against James Franklin, and we're going to do it again next year when he plays a top-10 team because he's now 2-16 against top-10 teams, and not only that, Overall, he's 1-15 straight up against top five teams, 3-22 versus uh, straight up versus top 10 teams. I mean, it is – it's embarrassing. And if you watch that game, you're wondering, like, do they have an offensive philosophy? Now, of course, yesterday they fired their offensive coordinator. Great. You fire him after the – one of two games that you had this year where you needed to beat somebody halfway decent. You already lost to Ohio State. You get pounced by Michigan, and then you fire on offensive coordinator where anybody that watched the game yesterday realized what was happening. They have no offensive innovation, and not only that, they don't still have the athletes on offense. They could have played 10 quarters. They weren't going to beat Michigan. So that was the only one of my other picks that I won, though. South Florida, 17 nothing lead in the first quarter against Temple. And they blow that. Uh, They only won that game by, what, three? Uh, It didn't go over. Uh, Scoring pretty much came to a halt after the first quarter. It was very, very bizarre. Uh, UAB was just a bad play all around. Um, They couldn't stop Navy's rushing, and they got blown out. And then Kansas minus three, again, it was just – it's one of these things where it, the line made no sense to me, and I should have known. That line didn't make any sense to me, and Oklahoma State minus 2.5 at UCF didn't make any sense to me. But then again, when you think about it, both of them were coming off huge wins. Oklahoma State. Now, granted, you didn't expect Oklahoma State to lose 48-3 to to UCF, who hadn't even won a Big 12 game yet. But coming off their biggest win, Bedlam, last time it's ever played, 
probably for a while, and they go on the road and get stomped. Uh, I, that's why I stayed away from that game. Um, Kansas, you know, I don't know what to say. Uh, they just looked. I, I, the one thing you can say for Kansas, and this is unfortunate, and you know, loss is a loss. But they lost their quarterback in the second quarter. They played a guy who hadn't played all year. He's their third stringer who had to play from the second quarter on. And they had a chance uh, close to the end. They had tied the game up. And then they gave up a bunch of yards um, with under a minute left. And Texas Tech marched down the field, kicked a field goal, one by three. I I, I think this is a different game if, if, if uh, Jason Bean doesn't get hurt. But he did. Nothing we can do about that. My underdogs continue to do really, really well. Two and one on those. The two the games that I won, both went to overtime. Both had a chance to win outright. Both were winning outright most of the game and end up losing in overtime, and that was Charlotte and Indiana. And those are winners, but none of them won on the money line, so we went two and one there. So now we're 16-14-1 on my underdogs for the year, uh, a minus .6 on the money line since we went 0-3. And then the three-team, 10-point uh, tees, I mean, just not very good because BC was just, uh, they got killed at home. Didn't see that one coming. Virginia Tech playing a lot better towards the end of the year. They might be a team to watch out for uh, these last two weeks of the season and, and maybe a bet-on team. North Carolina just, you know, tees a 14-point favorite down to four, and they're up by double digits in the fourth quarter, and they don't and they can't hold on. You know, just a bad day all around in college for, for sure. Um, in uh, in pros, moving on to pros, a four and three day, but did not win my best bet. I think this was the first time all year that I lost both my best bet in college and pro, I believe. So we've brought it back to even now on my best bets in pro. Uh, excuse me. What am I talking about? We lost three, five and one had Baltimore minus six. And then in my other picks, we went two and two with winners on Dallas minus 17 and San Francisco minus two and a half. I mean, you know, sometimes you just have picks that you are so strong on. And those two that I was definitely strong on were Dallas and San Francisco. I just, Dallas, Giants aren't even trying to win football games at this point. And San Francisco on a three-game losing streak off a bye, I just didn't think that they were going to lose four in a row. But uh, I had Green Bay plus three and a half. One, they missed an extra point early in the game, and that was the difference, or else they're kicking a field goal at the end of the game to tie it and go overtime. And they still had a chance to win it uh, in regulation, but uh, they get a pass intercepted at the goal line as time expired. And then Cincinnati, uh, minus 6.5. Both Baltimore and Cincinnati were in a lot of people's eliminator pools, suicide pools, drop-dead pools, whatever you want to call them. And both of them lost, not to mention both of them uh, Baltimore was up 14 uh, two different times, actually three different times during the game. They were up by by 14 points, and not to mention up 31-17 with 11 minutes left in the game, and you're at home. Uh, you know, the second the second they were up 31-17, Cleveland marches down the field, gets a touchdown, and on the very first play when Baltimore gets the ball back, uh, Lamar Jackson throws a pass tipped into the air, run back for a pick six, and I was like, that's it, I guarantee. All the momentum is, and and then and then Cleveland even missed the extra point there, so Baltimore still had a lead, and I was like, it doesn't matter. I watch Baltimore is going to not be able to get a first down, and Cleveland's going to march down the field and kick a field goal to win this thing, and they did. Unfortunate. So um, one with the underdog play again. Washington was in there all game. Washington is now five and zero against the spread when they are an underdog this year. They are a team to watch for the rest of the year as an underdog. They just keep covering uh, as an underdog. 
They lose 29-26 to the Seattle Seahawks, but we win plus the 6.5. And and then three-team 10-point teaser, Dallas minus 7, won by 32. Green Bay plus 13.5, lost by 4. And Baltimore lost by 3. They were getting 4 on the 10-point tease. And even if you got them at 6.5, they were getting... Three and a half. So you win that. We go four and three in pro, but man, that Green Bay game was a nut kick. Uh, that that was looking. That's the difference between four and three and five and two, which would have been, which basically would have put us. Um, you know, it would have been nice. It would have been. Uh, we would have been eight and nine over these seventeen games over the weekend. Instead, we went seven and ten. So under five hundred for the weekend. Looking to bounce back next week, but man, some really good games in the pros yesterday. Do you realize that five games? in the pros yesterday, ended on a field goal as time expired. <laughs> you had Baltimore kick a field goal. You had, excuse me, Cleveland kick a field goal at the end of regulation to win 33-31. Houston kicked a field goal to beat Cincinnati as time expired, 30-27. to You had um, Arizona kick a field goal to beat Atlanta, 25-23. The Lions kicked a field goal to win 41-38 over the Chargers. And then Seattle wins 29-26 on a last-second field goal. Five games decided right at the buzzer. You can't really complain about that, can you? And I don't think the NFL is because if you looked at the games overall, the slate of games weren't very, you know, the matchups weren't very good. There were a lot of games that most people didn't care about. Even you got a Sunday night game with the Jets in Vegas. Nobody cares about that. Denver and Buffalo. I'm recording this before the Jets in Vegas game. It's possible that game ends on a field goal. I don't know. But uh, you just look at it not very good overall in terms of games, but yet a lot of them ended up being close games. And we'll talk about some of the things that happened in the NFL uh, here in a minute. All right, more in college football over the weekend. Um, the Iowa Hawkeyes, I, <laughs> they're 8-2. and two. Iowa is 8-2. and two. Now, granted, they play in the other division in the Big Ten, which is with all the teams that stink. They're not in the division with Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, or else they would have three losses already. But they're going to end up playing one of those teams. Well, they're going to play Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten Championship because they've pretty much clinched already the Big Ten champion uh, championship game. But I, I, I just I, I can't understand how anyone would attend a football game in Iowa. I understand Iowa fans, you guys are loyal, you guys love Kirk Ferentz, but... Do you really want to win, or do you just want to win seven to nine games every year and get blown out in the Big Ten Championship? Because you are going to be a four-touchdown underdog in the Big Ten Championship game, and you're probably not going to cover. And even if you win, lose by 25, are you going to be proud that you covered the Big Ten Championship game? Are you going to run a banner up in the stadium for covering in a Big Ten Championship game? Like You have no chance going into the game. None. Because you don't try offensively. You don't you try and win games on running the ball, defense, and special teams. But when you play a, an elite offense or a team that can just manhandle you, you're just you're never gonna put up any sort of fight in that game. They're gonna be I guarantee that line when it comes out, whether it's Michigan or Ohio State, it's gonna be twenty four to twenty seven points easily. You have to set it at that. Michigan beats everybody by three or four touchdowns. Iowa is not any good. You know, the five lowest totals in the past 30 years in college games all involve the Iowa Hawkeyes and all have been within the last two years. Last year, they had two games that was a total of 31 and a half when they played Minnesota and Kentucky three times this year. 
They've had a 31.5 total, a 30.5 total, and a 27.5 total, and all five of those games went under. I don't think you can set, if you're Vegas, I don't think you can set an Iowa total. Uh, You can't set them low enough. Now, granted, when they play Michigan in the Big Ten Championship or Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, it it has to be in the mid-40s. They're not going to set it at 30 because they all know that Ohio State and Michigan is going to put up 30 by themselves. It's just a matter of... Does Ohio State score? Or does Iowa score more than seven? You know, if it's are we looking at thirty-five, seven, thirty-eight, seven, something like that, to where you know the the total is going to be in the mid forties. But when Iowa plays these horseshit teams like Minnesota and Rutgers and Northwestern, yeah, you have to set that line. The last three weeks, this past weekend against Rutgers, the total was twenty-seven and a half. It's the lowest total in the history of college football, and that game was three nothing at halftime. The only reason they even got up to 22 nothing final was because Rutgers had to go for it on fourth down towards the end of the game in their own territory, and Iowa would just take over. And pretty much Rutgers was out of gas at that point. Last week against Northwestern, total was 31.5. It was 10-7. to It's still going under by two touchdowns when you set it at 31.5. But I, I just, you can't, if you're Vegas, you can't set a total at 20. At least I don't think you can. <laughs> I don't know who Iowa has coming up next, but... I, it's just awful. How, how can you even watch that? I never watched two seconds of Iowa football. I don't care. I'm not going to watch two seconds of the Big Ten Championship either. I already know what the score. It's going to be name your score, Ohio State or Michigan. It does not matter. The other big news in college football this weekend, Jimbo Fisher signed a, ten, uh, signed a 10-year $97 million deal. Uh, well, he initially signed a um, – he initially signed – a 10-year, $75 million deal back in 2017. But then in 2021, they extending him through 2031, basically signed another 10-year deal to the tune of about $95 million. Well, he lasted three years on that deal. So basically, Jimbo Fisher is going to get about $17 million uh, in the next 60 days. And then he's going to get paid basically $7 million a year for the next until 2031 to not coach football. And even if he gets another gig, which I'm sure he will, he's not going to not coach anymore, but even if he gets another gig, he's allowed to go coach somewhere else, and those people can pay him as well. If I'm Jimbo Fisher and somebody gives me a job offer and I take another job in college football, I, I, am I really going to ask for 5 to $6 million a year? I mean, that's just, that would be embarrassing. Really? You're, you're really going to ask for that type of money? Now, look, it's no, it has nothing to do with me. I have no ties to Texas A&M. I don't donate to the school, nothing. And, you know, forking out $76 million in dead money to a coach that isn't going to coach you for the next seven years, that's their problem. It doesn't bother me. But what I think what this will do going forward is I think the coaching in college football, if you want to pay a coach, I think you got to stay away from these giant guaranteed contracts. I mean, giving a guy 10 years and $95 million when he hadn't really done all that well in the first four years of that contract with A&M, he hadn't won you a national championship. He hadn't gotten you to the playoff. So I think when they restructured it, they gave him more. Like, If anything, if you want to give him that, make it incentive-based or something. Make it like, hey, 
you're going to get a base of this, but if you win us a Big 12 champion or an SEC championship, or if you get us to the SEC championship game, you'll get this. A college football playoff appearance gets you this. A college football national championship gets you a 15 to $20 million bonus. But forking that out and guaranteeing it over 10 years just doesn't make any fiscal sense. And I, I, don't, I know that Texas A&M's got all the money in the world and it doesn't matter to them and it's not going to hurt them financially, but still – it's just a lot of money you could have saved. And I think now that schools see this, they're probably not going to go that route and just say, here, here's a blank check. Here's we're going to guarantee you over a 10-year contract. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to give anybody a 10-year contract in college football. I don't care who you are. And a couple NFL notes. I told you five games ended on a last-second field goal, which – Great for entertainment purposes, considering a lot of the matchups sucked. But you know, if you've listened to this long enough, that I have the Pittsburgh Steelers over eight and a half wins for the season. They are currently six and three, and they might be the worst six and three team in the history of the NFL. You know why? Because for the ninth straight game, they were outgained. Green Bay outgained them by 75 yards. They had 6.1 yards per play versus Pittsburgh's 5.4 yards per play. The Steelers were 4 for 13 on third down, and they had 119 yards passing total. And they won 23-19 against the Packers. So how bad are the Packers to lose to a team that does nothing? Nine straight games they've been outgained, and they're 6-3. and three. That just doesn't even out. But hey. With eight games left, they just have to go three and five for me to win my bet. So I don't care. I just think it's hilarious that they are not any good and yet somehow are six and three. If you look at my other overs and you look at my other totals in NFL this weekend, I think all the other ones, well, Carolina lost on Thursday. We already know that's a winner for the season. It looks like Pittsburgh can go three and five the rest of the year, even getting outgained every game. Um, the other two that I have both lost yesterday. I'm I'm fine with Jacksonville losing. I figured they were going to lose at home, but Jacksonville still doesn't play anybody good the rest of the year. San Francisco was probably their toughest game the rest of the year, and they're six and three. So they need to go four and four the rest of the way for me to win my bet over nine and a half wins. The one that's probably not going to get there. I mean, it is still a possibility. Is the New Orleans Saints? They're five and five through ten games, so they got eight left. They need to go. Um, they need to go five and three. Now they don't play anybody good the rest of the year either. But then again, they're not very good. So at five and five, they're still leading the division. So I can still win that one. But that's probably going to be my only one that I lose. Uh, in the over, I just thought they were going to be better. I knew they had an easy schedule. Um, they're five and five, yet they still lead their division by a game over the Atlanta Falcons, who are four and six. So, I mean, they can still win their division, which is one bet that I have. But, man, they are just not as good as I thought they were going to be. Now, Derek Carr got hurt yesterday, hurt his shoulder. Jameis might be a better option because offensively they've stunk all year. They just can't move the ball. And yet they're 5-5 five and five because their defense is good enough to carry them. So you get any sort of offense on that team, you know. I mean, you look at their remaining games – at Atlanta, home against Detroit, which is probably going to be a loss, home against Carolina, home against the Giants, 
at the Rams, at Tampa Bay, home against Atlanta. Outside of that Detroit game. So they need to go 5-3 and three down the stretch for me, for them to win 10 games. Let's just say, let's just count the Detroit game as a loss at home. Play Atlanta twice. You, st- you play Carolina and, New- and the Giants back-to-back at home. You got to assume those are two wins. So now you're looking at seven and six, and then you have to pull out three wins between Atlanta twice, Tampa Bay, and the Rams. I mean, I think that's possible, but they need to do something offensively because that's their problem. They cannot score, and their defense has to do way too much. So I'm hoping for it. There's still an outside chance. Five and three over the last eight games could happen for the Saints. They just need to turn stuff around. But there's no guarantee that's going to happen. So just have to keep an eye on it and see what happens there. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review if you can. The uh, Daily Roundup has already been posted on the Reality Steve podcast feed if you're interested in that. And we're back tomorrow with yet another Sports Daily. So tell your friends about it. Not necessarily this past weekend's record in picks, but tell your friends about the podcast. It certainly helps. And I'd really appreciate it if you did. So anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.